Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. We're so happy you're joining us. Yeah, I have actually something fun to share with you all. I was looking for questions for our episode, as I do, and I came across this comment from one of our listeners that I thought would bless you all, bless me, and I think you will enjoy it. Let's hear it. So uh, this patron named Grace says, I'm a young Catholic woman, and I grew up on a small farm in Iowa. I have listened to your podcast while riding in tractors, <laughs> mixing feed for the milk cows, pulling a calf. I think that means birthing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Stirring pots of milk that are becoming cheese or yogurt and canning garden vegetables. Oh, that is great. To name a few. Woo. When I finish the episode, I have so much rich, holy food to chew on as I go about my daily tasks. Aww. I have asked several questions over the past few years and have been answered on this podcast. And I just wanted to write a note of thanks. The wisdom the two of you shine has blessed me immensely in my own life. I frequently find myself drawn to prayer for the other beautiful people who have submitted questions. And one of my favorite things to do while listening is to imagine exactly what all the other people listening are doing around the world. <laughs> May God so bless you both and be assured of my prayers. Oh, thank you, Grace. That's a blessing to me. Wendy's not shared this with me until now. So I'm receiving this for the first time. And that's really fun to think of you about your farm chores mm -hmm. as you're listening to us. So who knows? Maybe you're birthing a calf right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. Yes. Thank you, Grace. Thank you so much. It, you know, it, it also gives me just a sense of the, the community of heart that we are creating around the world. Uh, mm. it's, it's amazing what the technology allows us to do, that you and I are sitting here in my home office in Pennsylvania talking into microphones, but we know this is going to reach people around the world, and it creates a bond, and it's it's real. It's not the same as meeting everyone in person or sitting down to a meal, but as Grace shared, there there is this rich spiritual food that we get to share, and, and it does create a, a bond, kind of like sitting down for a meal, albeit mm. a spiritual meal, together. So, Grace, thank you. That really blessed me to hear, and I, I know it, it touched the hearts of, of our other listeners as well. Yeah. What can you tell us about the TUB Institute right yeah, now? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, we are expanding what we're doing on our YouTube channel these days, mm -hmm. and we're beginning a new phase of, of what they call in YouTube land long-form conversations, where I sit down with people and have a, a longer conversation, and then those get broken out into smaller little bits as well. But I've, I've had two recently. We mentioned one on the last episode that I had with Sister Maria Gemma. And I had another long-form conversation with my father, Soren West. He's 81 years old. And he hiked the Appalachian Trail when he was 75 from start to finish, which is over 2,000 miles. And he wrote a book about it. 
And we had a long conversation. I think it was an hour and 45 minutes on YouTube Live a few weeks ago. And we went places. I mean, I, I didn't expect that we would necessarily go, necessarily go into all the places we went. But we, we, gosh, we weren't just talking about the trail, uh, meaning the Appalachian Trail. We were talking a lot about the trail of the heart and the journey of the heart and some of the struggles that he and I have had as father and son and struggles that he had with his father. And we, we got into it, and there, it was really graced. There were times in our exchange where we both felt really the Holy Spirit was doing something. And we're really happy to share that conversation with you. So we'll have that link in the show notes. You can check it out. And I'll just throw out one more time. In September, this coming September, we have a TOB One online course. And if you take that online in September, then you can come in person to Pennsylvania to the retreat center where we're going to be offering the TOB Two course. If you've already taken TOB One, then you are primed and ready to come to the TOB2 course here in October. Check out the links in our show notes. Hmm. And now a question from a patron. Very good. This is from Jordan. Hello, Jordan. Hi, Christopher and Wendy. I first want to thank you from the bottom of my, bottom of my heart for your ministry. I'm a faithful listener of your podcast and have been a Theology of the Body sponge over the past several months, soaking up all the knowledge you have to share, which has brought me great joy. Here's my question. My brother experiences same-sex attraction. He no longer attends Mass or considers himself Catholic because of what I believe to be a misunderstanding of the Church's teaching and and the well-intentioned but poorly delivered advice of a priest— who said he should pray that God will take away his same-sex attraction. I've attempted to explain to him the church's teaching on same-sex attraction through the lens of TOB, but I have trouble adequately addressing the following two points. First, scriptures on homosexuality and hell have led him to experience a deep self-hatred and to be concerned for his Mm. eternal soul, all Mm. because of something that is out of his control. Mm. He often brings up accounts of hell by mystic saints, where souls experience indescribable suffering. Second, he struggles to see a path forward that is hopeful and will provide meaning in his life, since he does not feel called to the vocation of priesthood or religious life. I feel a strong calling to intercede for my brother. I want him to see how fulfilling his life can be if he opens it up to the Lord. Any tips on how to address these topics with him in a hopeful way would be greatly appreciated. Bless you, Jordan. Bless you, Jordan. I, I was particularly drawn to what you said about your desire to intercede for your brother. And I think that is the most loving thing you can do. And intercession here, you know, it's a beautiful and wonderful thing when we say a rosary for someone when we offer in our Father. But John Paul II, in his retreat called God is Beauty, he talks about saying the Hail Mary or the Our Father as a kind of prayer in the moment. And he calls us to a deeper form of prayer, which is a a praying in and through all things, including our sufferings. And I can sense, Jordan, that you're carrying in your heart a suffering for your brother. 
particularly because of this well-meaning but misguided advice he's been given and how this has led him outside the church. I can really sense your heart is aching for your brother, and I encourage you to open that ache as you feel it, to open that sorrow as you feel it to the Lord in prayer for your brother. Maybe if you find it helpful to write it out, I know I find it very helpful. I've been keeping a prayer journal for years. If you find it helpful to write out, to put in words what you're feeling for your brother, or or maybe it's beyond words. Maybe it's just a, a cry of your heart, a groan, right? Scripture says that the Spirit intercedes in and through us with sounds that are beyond words, with groans, and cries of the heart. Be not afraid, Jordan, to open that groaning, suffering cry of your heart for your brother to the Lord that is real and deep prayer for him. Regarding the actual questions that you raised, the first was about hell and scriptures that talk about homosexual behavior, let's be very clear here, the church makes a distinction between the inclination, which as you rightly acknowledge, Jordan, is out of someone's control, and how we act on such inclinations, or if we act on such inclinations. So that distinction is very important. But let me say a word about hell, right? We have a lot of kind of scary, spooky, fearful, images and thoughts about hell, and and maybe rightly so, but let, let's get down to what hell is and what hell isn't. First of all, God sends no one to hell. Hell is not God's vengeance on disobedient children, right? That is not hell. Hell exists for one reason, and this is going to sound strange to say it, Uh, but it's the truth. Hell exists for one reason, because God loves us. Hmm. What? What? What What do you mean? What do you even mean? The existence of hell, strangely enough, is the absolute refutation, the refuting of the lie of Satan that we believed in the original sin. The lie we believed is that God is a tyrant. The lie we believed is that God wants to enslave us. The lie we believed is that God does not respect our own freedom, right? And the existence of hell demonstrates that God is not a tyrant. How do we understand the whole story of Scripture when we're wearing our theology of the body lenses, right? The whole Bible summed up in these five words, God wants to marry us. And if heaven can be understood as this eternal wedding, then we know for sure it's not going to be a shotgun wedding. Nobody is compelled to to say yes to God's marriage proposal. Why? Because if God forced us to love him, guess what it would not be? It would not be love, Mm. right? What is hell? Hell is the consequence of God's respect of our freedom. God respects our freedom to the point that he allows us to say no 
to his eternal invitation of love. That's what hell is. Hell is not the place that God sends us out of vengeance, right? If anyone is in hell, it's not because God sent them there. If anyone is in hell, it's because they chose freely not to accept God's proposal of eternal love. The existence of hell, the possibility of hell, demonstrates that God forces no one to love him because he loves us. That's what I mean by saying the existence of hell is proof of his love for us. So when hell is presented as, you know, you're going there because of X, Y, and Z, no one can make that claim towards someone else, right? No one can say, I know you're going to hell because of X, Y, and Z. Right? We can say that objectively, if someone persists in a behavior that is seriously contrary to God's wedding invitation, if they persist willfully in that and never repent, well, then that is a no. But we can't know, when I said that is a no, that is a N-O, mm -hmm. right? a no to God's marriage proposal, objectively speaking, but we can never get into a person's heart and be certain that that person has given some definitive no. We can simply never do that. So we have to abstain, refrain from any such judgments of any human being in all circumstances. That is God's and God's alone to know. Your brother, like every human being, is in need of the hope of the gospel which is that marriage proposal is held out to him just as much as it is held out to every other human being. And that is our hope. Not that we get to heaven because of our good behavior, but that we get to be heaven, that, but that we get to heaven because of God's merciful love towards us. Here I'll quote again from St. John Paul II's retreat called God is Beauty. And we'll have a link in the show notes to that retreat, which is so rich, so beautiful. John Paul II says there that so often we think of religion from a human perspective rather than from God's perspective. And when we think of it from a human perspective, we end up stacking up all of these, what he calls, I musts. I must believe this. I must do that. I must fulfill this obligation. John Paul II says, when we, when we approach religion from that perspective of a list of I musts, we have the cart before the horse. The first primary reality of religion is not some burden and responsibility on my shoulders. The first and primary principle of religion is God's plan of love that is coming in our direction, right? It's not us seeking God, it's God seeking us. And God is seeking your brother. God is seeking your brother to the extent that God is willing to go into the darkest places of his heart, whatever they may be. I know I have plenty of dark places in my mm -hmm. heart, we all do. God is willing to come in our direction to show us how much he loves us. Then, 
our hearts want to respond in kind to the love he has shown us. And so in my commentary, that's part of this retreat, God is beauty, I observe that we can never say truthfully, I love you to God in the sense that we initiate that. All we can say is, I love you too. Because it is always God's love coming in our direction that is our salvation, that is our hope. And that love coming in our direction, that's what will give your brother the hope he needs. And that love alone can save him from that self-loathing. God is coming in your brother's direction. And God is willing to descend into the deepest and darkest places of your brother's heart and his self-hatred to heal him of it, to show him the love with which he has loved your brother from all eternity. And Jordan, your intercession for him, you can align your desire that he would know that love. You can align that desire with the Lord's desire, and that can become powerful intercession for your brother. Wendy, what are your thoughts here? Jordan, as I'm just kind of listening to Christopher and thinking also about having read your question, I find myself thinking about your brother and um and you cuz you're you're really your family bond is so clear here and what a gift that it is to be family um to have someone so on our side as you are on your brother's side and desiring his true good. I think that is just a, a testimony and awesome um, that you you desire for him to know he's loved and that God has a good plan for his life and that he doesn't reject him um, as, you know, even though your brother has maybe gotten that impression. I think all of that is, is so beautiful. Um, one of the things I'm just feeling in my heart is a certain kind of grieving that maybe, you know, if you learn about like stages of grief, you can just look that up, stages of grief. There are different sort of processes that human beings go through when something is lost that is precious. Um, things like um, anger or denial or bargaining or these different kind of approaches that we tend to take to things, to coping with something being lost. And I, I don't want to say for sure, what is the, the loss, maybe the loss of an easy life, like the feeling that because of this unwanted attraction, my life is going to be hard. Um, that, or it could be something else, but I don't know, just this sense of grieving is, and the ways that we struggle in times of grief is what I'm feeling in relation to you and your brother, Jordan. Um, so in that, I just want to kind of give you the long view a little bit. Like, okay, it's not a matter of anybody perfectly saying the right thing at the right time. Your call to intercession is so spot on. Because if when we're going through the stages of processing something very difficult, there's not going to be a perfect answer. There's going to be a lot of just suffering with and continuing to open that to the Lord and His grace. 
there's beautiful signs that you trust in God's goodness and the truth of his love. And even that your brother has a sense of it is in there because why does he even care what the church teaches about homosexuality? Only because he, in some part of his heart, believes God is real. His love is real. Jesus's redemption for us is real. His work through the church is real. And all of that is like beautiful and good, even if it's right now not all answering the questions as we hoped they would. That that long haul sense of interceding, trusting in God's goodness, that even when somebody has a difficult path, and all of us have difficulties of some kind, that that doesn't mean God doesn't love us. That's why would he have had to come to die for us if life weren't mm. difficult? Mm. It is. Um, so I, I don't know if any of that is making clear sense. Those are my senses of like the long haul of your intercession and the beauty of your faith and your commitment to your brother, the things that are most striking me. I, I grabbed off the shelf while you were talking there, Wendy, this retreat, God is Beauty, and I want to share some thoughts here just to conclude uh, with Jordan's question, conclude our answer to Jordan's question. In my commentary on John Paul's retreat, I quote from John's first letter, in this is love, not that we first loved God, but that he first loved us. And that's where I make the point that we can never properly initiate the words, I love you in relation to God. We can only say, I love you too. And then I quote the Catechism. This is Catechism 2567. God's initiative of love always comes first. Our own first step is always a response. So I think this is so important, not just for your brother Jordan, but for all of us. I know in my life, I was just catching myself just a few days ago in my prayer, getting this backwards where I was like, I'm not doing enough for the Lord, or I, I didn't get this right, or I screwed this up, or oh my gosh, there's that same pattern of sinful attitude and thinking in my heart again. I got to get it right. I got to figure it out. I got to do it. I got to do this. I got to do that. Whoa, 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 whoa. What I got to do <laughs> is stop trying to get it right and allow myself to be loved in my crap, in my brokenness, in my getting it wrong, I need to allow myself to be loved. And here's a direct quote from John Paul II in his retreat, God is Beauty. He says this, if a person would finally experience religion not half-heartedly, not merely from the perspective of a sense of obligation, an additional responsibility weighing on me, if a person would experience religion in its fullness for once, that is from God's perspective, then a fundamental internal revolution, a transformation would take place. The world changes. It gains a completely different meaning. And my position in the world also changes and takes on a different meaning. For as long as I remain the subject of all of these musts, all of these weights that I put on myself, I do not have a sense of the meaning of my existence. So, Lord, we lift up Jordan, we lift up Jordan's brother, mm. we lift up all of our listeners. I, I include myself and Wendy in this prayer. Lord, we are your creatures. 
And that means that love begins not by us loving, but by us allowing ourselves to be loved. To be loved by you, Lord. To be loved by you, Lord. Lord, teach us. Teach us how to open and receive that love. Only then, Jesus, after saying, remain in my love, only then do you say, go and love others as I have loved you, because we can't give what we don't have. Lord, place us in that fundamental posture of receiving your love. And having received it, teach us what it means to respond and share that love. Teach us what it means that sharing that love is the fulfillment of all of the commandments. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our next question is from an anonymous listener who says, it's a question for the AWW or Ask Wendy West podcast. <laughs> Aren't you impressed I'm including it? I am. Okay, good. You got me smiling. <laughs> this listener knows the score, I'm just saying. Hi, Wendy. It's a... <laughs> Funny for me to be reading it. I like it. I've listened. Wait, to... did this did this questioner have an, a name? It's no, anonymous. anonymous. Sorry, anonymous. Well, whoever you are, anonymous person, high five. Oh my goodness! Now a whole bunch of listeners are going to do this. <laughs> don't do it. Just don't. That I'm reading it because I know we both can answer it. It was just a humorous way to start the question. I've listened to all the episodes of the podcast and remember hearing you both talking about how you meaning me, had feelings for Christopher first, that he actually entered a relationship with someone else before dating and marrying you. I wanted to. It never really happened. But Oh, enter this other relationship. Yes. I know that you prayed for their relationship to succeed, but I was wondering if you could share more about that time. I just found out that the man I felt strongly for is pursuing another young lady. Oh, ouchie. And their feelings are mutual. I know that there's a strong possibility that we will never get married, but part of me still wonders if this is a detour and he will eventually come around to cherish me. We've been very good friends for years, and I'm not sure how to navigate this new season as we are no longer both sing single. I realize I probably should have practiced emotional chastity more and already set boundaries, but I hadn't because we grew up together. How do I move forward? Mm. Mm. Oh, the tangled, painful places our hearts yeah, go it, to. Yeah, that's so true. It's just so human. I, I, I just want to bless you and say, I see your humanity, mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Bless you, bless you, bless mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not like under some obligation to be happy about this turn of events or something. <laughs> that doesn't prove your greatness in the eyes of the Lord. You can just be your real self. It's it's quite fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just, you did ask me to share more about the time um, when I was praying for Christopher and another relationship. And not all of our listeners have heard that story. I'm not going to make it super long, but I can explain a little bit more about it. Christopher and I met at a... a like Christian fellowship group that where we saw each other weekly during college semesters usually. And 
um, than less frequently during when we weren't in school session. But anyway, I, in that setting, certainly had that special place in my heart for this man that was awakened and was beautiful um, and growing. You know, I kept seeing different things about him that kind of increased that sense of his specialness and longing to know him more and eventually longing to be his wife. I can relate to anybody feeling those kinds of feelings. And I I also need to just throw in here that Christopher's not the only person I ever had those feelings for so that people, I don't want people to get some kind of notion that I had like a word from the Lord. This is the one, just hang on. I'm just a human being. This were just my own feelings that I had. And, you know, no, in that wait mix- a minute, you're saying there, I, I know that part of the story. I'm just goofing around. <laughs> <laughs> I think I never had them as strong for anyone else, but it's just, I don't, I don't know what impression people are getting and I don't want it to be incorrect. So anyway, um, so in that, can I say, can I say yeah, something? That, sure. I just want to, like, when I think of, I know a few of the other guys that you had some feelings for. Mm-hmm. And when I think of that, it's a revelation of your heart to me that that's a beautiful thing to me. Because I see what you saw in those people. Mm-hmm. And I'm just say, I'm sharing that to say that we can get we can we can get in these jealous places that are that we don't need to be in. There can there can be a there can be a freedom. There can mm-hmm. be a freedom in, in, yeah, there's a freedom. Mm. And I, not that I live it perfectly, but I, I, I've tasted that freedom. Yeah. Uh, and it's real. And maybe that's some of what she's asking about, yeah. because certainly over time, and our friendship wasn't maybe quite as close as this friendship seems to have been, um, that I just kind of became aware that there was someone else on majorly on your radar and that there were issues in your relationship that I felt were kind of caused by other people in your life. And that sort of caused this righteous indignation in me, like in, in the sense of desiring your good, desiring goodness in general, that did not seem good to me. Yeah. And you were right. There was this other girl and I had a, a, a nice friendship and were ready to pursue a deeper relationship, but her father intervened with a very heavy hand that was not appropriate for people in their twenties. Mm-hmm. And and you you didn't know all those details, but you did sense it. Mm-hmm. So that's what you were sensing. And so my my prayer there um, was for God's will for you. That was a commitment that really brought me a lot of freedom to recognize that in friendship we desire the good of our friends and that our relationship was only friendship. It wasn't more than friendship. And that clearly, even though I hoped for more as your friend, I wanted to pray for your good and your good in your vocation discernment, your good in your work, yeah. your good in your relationships, all of that became a prayer of my heart. And so did that include like removing this not good that I saw it did. I mean, I prayed. The not good being the intervention into our interference, relation, in relationship. interference that yeah. I, was part of this other relationship. Yes. You were 
you had been praying that that interference would be removed yes. so that I could pursue this relationship with this other person. And I'll just share, when I learned that, that during the same time that I had these feelings for this other person, you had feelings for me, but you were praying that I would be reconciled with this other person and that influence that was interfering would be removed. I felt your genuine love for me, your disinterested love, disinterested in the sense of not that you weren't interested in me, but you were interested in, a, in an unselfish way. You desired my good, and that's what love calls us to. I felt so loved by you there, and I had never experienced such, such selfless love before in my life, and that drew me to you so powerfully so powerfully. Mm. Thank you for loving me in that way. Thank you, Wendy, for loving me in that way. And I know it was the Lord in you, because that kind of love does not come from a, a fallen human heart. It comes from a heart open to Jesus. Yeah. And I really felt Jesus's love for me through you, and it drew me to you. All of that. I Yes, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for just the gift of living our journey and tr having to trust in you, Lord, right now without knowing what exactly the future holds mm. um, and to, to desire your will for our lives and for the lives of, of course, everyone in the world, but in a particular way for those that are close to us is so freeing. It's so good. It's so helpful. Um, so I, I encourage you, I know you said, how do I move forward? It, it, certainly, honesty with the Lord is first and foremost very important. I think that it is best not to reveal all that you're going through with too many other human beings, because you don't want to have meddled in this relationship by either directly, you know, talking to your friend or having it get back to him. I think that the calling of the Lord would be for you to share very openly in your prayer what you're feeling and to seek his will for your life and for this friend's life and for the woman that he's pursuing right now. If it's God's will, it's good. Mm -hmm. It's good for everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Amen. if we just trust that, and that's hard to trust, it's true, we want things to be the way we imagined them or hoped them to be. But if we can get, let this be an opportunity, God gives us plenty of opportunities to realize we need to trust in his will, that he sees what we do not see. So this is that kind of opportunity. And I just encourage you, that's the most important advice. And I, a phrase that helped me tremendously was this. Love means you lay down your life. And it does not have to become some kind of extreme thing that you are like suffering, suffering, suffering. It, it can be a freeing thing. Mm. It can be a beautiful thing. And that, that phrase was very powerful for me to just orient myself towards, uh, you know, what God wants is what I want. Coming to realize that God's plan for our lives is better than our plan for our lives is beautifully liberating. And something we often forget 
which is very detrimental because this is the one thing we need to remember in order to have the proper perspective on everything, is that this life is not our be-all and end-all. Mm. When we take the eternal perspective, your love for this man, which is genuine, I'm sure, and, and beautiful and sincere, and certainly there are elements in it because you're fallen like the rest of humanity that need to be purified and, and cleansed. But there's a beautiful truth and goodness in your love for this man. And in the eternal perspective, which we must have in order to understand this, lo- this life properly, you will love him forever. That's God's plan for your life in the eternal perspective, that you and he will be part of the communion of saints, and that you and he will love each other forever, and his humanity, which blesses you, will be glorified and will bless you all the more. And your humanity, which has blessed him, but maybe there are aspects of it that you wish he would see that he doesn't see, well, guess what? For all eternity, he will see the unique, unrepeatable beam of God's glory that you are and no one else is. The communion of saints is real, and this is where we are headed. And when we have that perspective, it, it, it can shine such a hopeful light on our existence here. It means, in the end, nothing is lost, right? But along the way to gaining everything, what does St. Paul say? He says, we must suffer the loss of all things in order to gain the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus. And knowing Christ Jesus here includes knowing his body, which is the whole communion of saints. When we don't have that eternal perspective, we can have these kind of like blinders just for this world. And then losses in this life can be devastating in a way that they don't need to be when we have that eternal perspective. There are still great things to suffer in this life, and, and you know, the, the loss of a relationship that you were hoping for is still a great blow in this life, but the eternal perspective can breathe hope into that sorrow and, and enable it not to be a crushing devastation, but a pain that becomes a hope that will be fulfilled. One of my favorite scriptures, I, I, I return to it probably every day uh, in moments of my days. Jesus, I treasure your promises in my heart, lest I sin against you. When I, when I find myself treasuring this promise of heaven, I, I find that my desires get oriented towards heaven. When I'm not treasuring those promises of heaven, my desire for heaven can get directed to the things of earth in a disordered way. And that's what sin is. I treasure your promises in my heart, Lord, lest I sin against you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your promises that every desire of our heart for love, for union, for affirmation, for joy, for happiness, for fulfillment, for justice, for goodness, for truth, for beauty, for mercy, for healing, for reconciliation, all these desires of our hearts will be super abundantly fulfilled in the marriage of the Lamb and the communion of saints. Thank you, Jesus, for this promise. Thank you. 
Teach us to treasure that promise in our hearts, lest our hearts get led astray. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our next question is from a listener named Jerry. Hello, Jerry. I'm trying to find a book that has all of Pope John Paul II's talks on the theology of the body. I find commentary like yours, but not the complete works. Can you help, please? Absolutely. Jerry, this is an easy question to answer. I'm assuming you're an English speaker. What you want is the book called Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. That's what it's uh, it's titled by uh, Pauline Books and Media, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. And it's translated by Mikhail Waldstein. It came out in 2006. There are some other editions floating out there, but you don't want to get them. You want to get this one, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. And where can you find that? Well, probably right at our bookstore. So we'll put a link <laughs> in the uh, show notes. Go to our bookstore at theologyofthebody.com. And uh, I'm sure we, I know we, we have it. And unless we're out of stock, I know we sell it. Okay, very good. Bless you listeners. Thanks for being part of our show today. Keep the questions coming and share this episode with anybody you think would who would be blessed by it. May you know it in your bones, may you know it in your heart, may you know it in your soul, that you are a gift. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute, with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.